This is episode number 282. Are you sharing the lessons learned from your story with Casey Berman? Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation, which takes place every single Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time, broadcasted through LinkedIn and Facebook Live, where we explore the connection between one's personal narrative and the topics of grief, resilience, appreciation, and many other topics. If you think this is of interest to you, please consider joining us live through LinkedIn or Facebook on any given Friday, or checking out the archive of previous conversations that we've had, which can be found through our YouTube channel by simply searching Overcoming Odds. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Casey Berman, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Looks like Melody has joined us here as well. Yeah. And Melody and everyone else that's... <clears throat> great to have everyone here. Now, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really... I'm, I'm fascinated by this topic, and I'm really curious as far as where this conversation goes. And knowing the two of us, we're going to most likely start it at one end, so to speak, and it's going to, you know, transition somewhere completely different or, or situations that we may not even be aware of. But this topic of sharing, it's been in the back of my mind for quite some time. And in particular, I think the question of why, why do I choose to share even maybe even before the question that's right above us? And that is, are you sharing the lessons learned from your story? And I'm curious, and maybe this is the best way that we can even kick off this conversation or discussion amongst all of us. And that is, I, I feel like you choose to share, you choose to intentionally share different aspects of your journey and experiences. But for me, the question comes, why do you do it? Like what made sense to you in your own life as far as, hey, I'm going to share, I'm going to share intentionally, and here's the reasoning for why I want to do it. So. It's a great question, as you always come up with. <laughs> not easy. Uh, this question is one that requires a lot of, as they say, peeling back the layers of the onion, because you'll want to look inward into your subconscious or unconscious, superconscious, just the, the opposite of your conscious. You'll want to look into your memories. You'll want to look into um, your past, which really doesn't exist except in our memories, but you'll want to look there. And we'll want to look to answer this question, why we share, we'll want to look, I think, primarily into our, our, our identity. Our identity, what some folks would call ego, uh, which gets thrown out, thrown around a lot. But ego, for me, the best definition I heard is you know, ego is the self, is the story that we want to share with the rest of the world. It's a facade. Uh, not in a bad way. It's just what we do. Um, and I'm going to get to answering the question, but the reason we do that is because we're in a matrix here. The matrix, the movie was not a movie. It was a documentary, as someone said, which I really, I really love that. But we're in the matrix. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Life is but a dream. We're in a dream. We're in somewhere. Now you could say, well, I guess the world is meaningless if it's just a dream. And but what I want to say is the first thing to answer this question is really to peel back all these layers. And that takes time. You don't need to peel back all of them. I'm in the process of it. I peeled back one or two maybe. But I want to just say that's how we'll do it. Um, so to answer the question, why? Why do I share lessons from, from my life? I didn't always do that in my teens and 20s. 
even my thirties, it was kind of cool to be private and mysterious and not open up and just have that facade of strong. And, and that was the ego. That was the identity I wanted. And, and it's still there for me. I think as I built leave law behind, which is my business, helping unhappy attorneys to leave the law. Um, as I had children, as uh, you know, I got married, my wife and I went through our transformations as I was in thirties and forties. And as the financial crisis happened in 08, as COVID happened now, as, as my giants won three world series, which I never thought would happen, <laughs> things happen and you start reflecting and changing that ego or trying to and change an identity. Okay. With all that being said, the reason why I do it is out of a choice that we can make, which is either when we know something, and Alan Watts talks about this when he describes Buddhism, and it's not as simple as this, but but the simplest is the best way that I've learned it. And how he describes it is there are these folks who have a lesson, who've learned something, have be if they become enlightened, they're a they're a Buddha. Um, there are folks who've become enlightened or close to it. They go into the forest, they go alone, they meditate on their own, and they're there. And that's great, but it's not scaling, right? It's helping them, all the power to them, but they're in the cave. Then you have someone who's called, I'm, I hope I pronounced it right, the Bodhisattva. And these are people who go to the forest or go somewhere, and you do need to get away. You you need to get away from what people are telling you, um, even if it's good intentions, to, to become enlightened, to understand why you're here. You need to get away for some time. And But they come back. They come back. They don't just sit in the mountain. They come back literally to share their lesson out of compassion. And they want to share this lesson because they understand that you don't just need to be in the mountaintop. You don't need to die. You don't need to be somewhere else to experience nirvana, which literally in Sanskrit means blowing out, exhaling, getting rid of, letting go, as we say now in the, in the West, in America. And they want the, the bodhisattva come back to help share and be that medium, be that channel, that vessel to share these thoughts and ideas that have come to them and have worked to, for them to help other people and to help other people do what you beg. You, then that begs that question to help other people find a similar type of peace, find a similar type of enlightenment, find a similar type of awakeness. And I don't mean the woke on the political level, which really, in my opinion, and I'm a liberal Democrat from San Francisco, but being woke is literally just has been co-opted by the progressive left to say we're better than you and you're not woke, we are. So I don't mean that woke. What I mean is, is a level of peace. And knowing that, like the Matrix, we have one foot in the world here. And that's okay. Play by the rules. Eat with your mouth closed. Shake hands at a dinner party. Go wear a mask. Like play by the rules but also know that you're part of something bigger. It's okay to have that foot in the spiritual and so on. So I'll pause there, but in short, why do I share my lessons? I'm by no means an enlightened bodhisattva. I think I'm mispronouncing that, but <laughs> some, some things have come to me. Mm -hmm. And for some reason or other, I write about them online. I blog about them. I share them. And it has, we've helped over a hundred attorneys leave the law and there's some connection there and, and it goes beyond money. It goes beyond a bills business. I was so enraptured with it being an entrepreneur. And mm -hmm. now for me, this is all a medium to kind of be of service to others, to help them be happy in jobs they enjoy and find meaning. So mm -hmm. that's really why I share my lessons. And I think other people do it you know, for similar reasons, fill in the blanks with other things. They're not helping lawyers or doing something else, but, but that's why they do it. I find it interesting that you brought up this concept of peace because I found myself doing similar things throughout my own journey. And, and the reason why I chose to share is actually to, well, A, to be able to hopefully add some value to people who might be walking similar paths in life. But I, it, it's fascinating that you brought up this concept of peace because I found myself to be in the same exact situation for 
and and I think it it's kind of like an on and off switch. And that is, there's certain times where I'm fully ingrained and wanting to inter- interact with other people, learn from experiences and things like that. And then there are times where I intentionally have to tell myself that, hey, this is time for me to take a step back and to process all the information. Because what I've learned is that considering the amount of information that I'm exposed to on a daily basis, as I'm sure you are and Melody and everyone, sometimes it gets hard to really understand what is it that I'm learning? What is it that I'm taking away? Because I'm being exposed to so many different perspectives. And that part is, it's really fascinating how it works. And and I'm curious to hear from you when it comes to this sense of peace, do you think you have found it at this particular point of your life? So and how do you, how do you know, I guess, how do you know when you are at peace? Cause it's, I think it's one thing to be able to pick your battles, you know, the ones that you choose to, uh, engage with in your case, whether it's your wife or your kids or, or myself or Scott Mason or whoever it is. And then it's a whole other thing to be able, I feel like there's a whole other layer to that piece as well. You don't know you're at peace. You feel you're at peace. Mm -hmm. And you know, Descartes, the Cartesian thought, cogito ergo sum, I think therefore I am, which he said in the 1600s in France, You know, that has literally been the foundation almost subconsciously of Western philosophical thought. We think Mm -hmm. that's why we have all these productivity apps and to do. And don't get me wrong. I all I do is think about my to do list. Right. I just love putting (laughs) it together and striking it off. Welcome to Um, the club. (laughs) Yeah. But I know I'm at peace when I feel it. Mm. And I had a moment just yesterday. I was running my dog and there's something I want to do professionally and I want to make a shift and the words and words are so inexact. That's why we have a thesaurus. If words were exact, why would we need a thesaurus? But we need synonyms, not only in different languages, but even in our own. And so words are inexact, but words that were pretty exact came to me about what I want to do. And I didn't think it, it I felt it. And I said, oh God, this is it. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a shift I want to make. And so I don't think you know peace and and we're splitting hairs and this is semantics, but I think you, you feel it and then maybe you know it. And so I just, we've, we're not supposed to feel our emotions. We're not, I'm some loony guy from California where we feel emotions, but outside of California, you're not supposed to right? or Sedona, but that's, that's why, that's why we're here. I, so when it comes to peace, you know, if you saw the movie, I don't know, did you see the movie Soul that came out from Disney? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that moment where they're going up that escalator and there's that big white light. And why would we not want to go there? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's beautiful. It's infinity. It's unbound. It's just soft and cozy. And I mean, it looks fantastic. And that is not even just God. That's the foot outside of the matrix. That's what's outside of the matrix. And even though in the movie, they're in those tunnels, but that's sort of Hollywood and more of a war story getting through, but we can talk about that another time. But we fight that. We resist peace. Mm -hmm. We struggle to get back to our ego and our identity. And the guy in there had that show. I won't give away the ending, but he had that show he just needed to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait a minute, here's God or universe or nature, whatever it is, who's full of white light and coziness and will take care of you. And you want to get back to Manhattan for a a jazz show? Like I get it. It's your big break, but really? Mm -hmm. So for me, when you realize, but the reason we don't, sorry, you're hearing things from all over, like you mentioned in the world, that's, that's the ego world. That's the matrix. And that's fine. This is where we're in. This is the dream we're in. But it's not peaceful and it's intentionally not peaceful because this is the emperor has no clothes. This is the, wait a minute, why CNN.com? Why do I need an update? Why do I need to wake up in the morning and understand what's going on in Asia and Japan and China? Um, Apple, why do I need all of these notifications? Why do, why, why, why do I need this? What keeps us distracted and we're not finding peace. We're updated. We're productive. We're on top of things. Mm -hmm. I've stopped reading the news and some of my friends who are very sharp have, you know, literally been like, why don't you, why aren't you informed? Don't you know what's going on with Gavin Newsom recall? 
not really. I'll vote. I don't agree with it, but I'm not following it. Why not? I've been watching it for a month. Yeah, look how stressed you are. Like, mm-hmm. so that's my choice. Hey, but I don't want to be distracted by them. Maybe I'll play a little bit. I definitely go to mm-hmm. ESPN.com and check out. I'm following the Giants Dodgers pennant race, which is causing me some anxiety here, but it's fun. <laughs> um, so we choose what we want, but I'm, I'm choosing less. And I think for me, peace is is something that we're not supposed to feel. Now, let me say one more thing about peace. I know I've been blabbering, but this is a great topic and I'm just, it's coming out of me. Oh, like, mm-hmm. So not only are we distracted by it, but I think the other thing about peace is peace is potentially born. Mm-hmm. I think people think of a, a a stream and a meadow and picking flowers, uh, but there's no shiny lights. There's no game going on. There's no nothing. Peace is just kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Peace is where you go for Saturday or Sunday and then got to get back home, get back to your life. Um, it doesn't need to be that way. Peace can be very exciting. Um, meditation and really aligning can just be exhilarating. And then if you need to wake up and open your eyes and go on go on your, your social channel, and if you need to go talk to someone, you need to get a drink, you need to go somewhere, go ahead and do it. But just realize that peace is not just something you do on a Saturday afternoon at a meditation retreat. It's something that you can have all the time. I'll end by saying, you know, we shower every day. Mm-hmm. My kids don't, but, you know, I try to shower every day. Um, why? And, and, and that's something that we just do. Why can't we be inspired every day? Mm-hmm. Why can't we have peace every day? Mm-hmm. We clean ourselves. We scrub ourselves. We get refreshed by a shower. Why can't we just close our eyes for three and a half minutes and find an exhilaration via some connection to peace? So um, I want to encourage everyone to realize that being peace doesn't mean you're a bliss ninny or you're too happy or you're not smart or that it has to be boring. Um, in many ways, it's just so invigorating, but it also really connects you. As that Bodhisattva saw... Um, you can then, when you connect with peace, you learn things, you literally download things and you actually can bring those lessons and those ideas that come to you, uh, mm-hmm. to the world. Well, I, I think there are a couple of things that you mentioned that I found interesting, but before I share that, I just want to welcome Alex mm-hmm. Chambers, who has joined us here. He has said, this talk is so relevant for me. I'm still learning this and it is definitely enlightening Great. and melody. She said, peace is progressive. What I found interesting as you were sharing this concept and why sometimes – and trust me, I, I perceive it as boring at, at certain elements of my life. Now, maybe not, not as much, but before I definitely did and five or ten minutes of just sitting there and not doing anything. It was literally the, the end of the world scenario that I was going through throughout my life. But I've also found it interesting how when, when you're talking about setting certain – parameters within your life in order to find more peace to find more enjoyment within the day-to-day some one of the things that i started to do in the last probably year maybe year and a half is i literally went into my iphone same thing on my computer and went app by app individually and turned off all notifications and that's a because i realized i was addicted and in the way i thought i was creating more peace by going from Gmail to Facebook to LinkedIn, literally three seconds later, Gmail, Facebook, LinkedIn, three seconds later, same exact pattern. And then I started to ask myself the question, why am I doing this? Like I would catch myself in the act going from one to the other when the reality of the matter is how much can really change in three three seconds, right? Maybe you'll get one new post, but the next three seconds later, are you going to get another one? <laughs> are you going to get a new email? Probably not. So I, I find that to be interesting as far as an observation within my own life. And the other component that I wanted to share is in regard to peace being boring. And yet it seems that so many, whatever that number looks like, are striving for it. We're striving for it. We're wanting to achieve it. And yet I feel like in my case, when I get to it, when I get to that moment of peace where the to-do list is put away and all these other things – I find that to be the most challenging place to be in. And and I think it goes back to identity, what you were talking about. My identity is is so ingrained in the other tasks. It's so tied to the to-do list. It's so tied to wanting some sort of, some sense of accomplishment or achievement. When those things are no longer there, it's almost like, 
what do I do? Who am I? It's totally tied to identity. And the first thing I'll just say is peace doesn't need, and I know you didn't mean this, but just to be clear, peace mm -hmm. doesn't not, is the only way to peace is not just to sit for five minutes somewhere and mm -hmm. meditate. You know, you can find peace in, in many ways. You can be aware of it as you're doing something else. Mm -hmm. uh, you can walk your dog, you can go for a run. Um, you know, peace is, is here in, in, I point to the mind thoughts. I really shouldn't point there. It's, it's hard. It's everywhere. There's a story, which I'll butcher it, but real quickly there, the gods had peace, peace of mind. And mm -hmm. they said, you know, where are we going to keep this safe? We're going to hide it from the, the humans. And they said, well, let's put it down on the bottom of this thing called the ocean. No, no, no. They'll get a submarine. They'll find it. Let's put it up in the stars. They won't. Oh, no, they're going to develop some a rocket ship and they'll get there. And they debated all the top of the mountains. No, they'll climb the top of the, the highest mountain. And then it was one of the gods said, I get it. I know exactly where they won't look inside themselves. And so they hid peace inside of us mm -hmm. and we don't look there. And, you know, when Jesus and you know, I'm a Jewish kid quoting Jesus here, but when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within, I mean, he's what he's really saying, whether you're religious or not, institutionalized religious or not, you know, what he's really saying is peace of mind, love, balance, alignment, all these synonyms for what we're for, for God, really, what we're looking for is within us. And so the world that we're in, this ego-based world doesn't want us to look there. That's why the conspiracy theories, some are true, some are not, but all of this, you know, look at the media, um, Davos conference, Bilderberg, you know, the hierarchies, um, the, the, who, the cabal that rules the world, some of which is true. I don't know. Some may not be, but, um, they don't want us to look there. They want us to watch games. They want us to watch sports. They want us on Facebook. And I'm not saying Mark Zuckerberg was part of the cabal and that's why he created it. But mm -hmm. when it came up, the cabal said, hey, hey, this is good. This is cool. And maybe there is no Bilderberger cabal. It's literally a collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are no pu puppeteers running us and we're literally just running ourselves. Maybe we're just asking for more social apps. Give me more so I can distract myself. It doesn't matter what the source is. What really matters is how I react to it. Mm -hmm. I don't care if there's some cabal. You can talk about all the conspiracy theories you want. Really, it's about how do I react to it. And so to your point about deleting apps and doing that, I mean, that, that, those, are, those are great steps. But really, it's about that piece. Mm -hmm. and, and so the point, sharing the lessons you learn from your story. I think the lessons from my story, from your story, Oleg, what you teach at Overcoming Odds, mm -hmm. um, what we hear from Jesus and Buddha and Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama and and what we hear from Oprah and what we hear from Gary Vee and what we hear from fill in the blank people you're listening to that are actually helpful and compassionate really is this idea of look within, be mm -hmm. yourself, mm -hmm. take a pause. Um, we're just we're just seeing that. And the internet has helped distribute and disseminate that more. It was a lot harder to distribute videos in the 80s as it is now. The internet's just a, a channel and a medium, but the message has is, is really been the same. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think for me, when it finally made sense, however many years ago, that everything I've been looking for was within. And really, I think what I realized <clears throat> in that moment was the reason why I wasn't finding or wasn't finding or believing that all the things that I needed were within is because I was asking the wrong question. Yeah. Yeah, I was asking the question. I wasn't asking the question of how do I tap into the things that are already within me. I was asking the question of who externally can help me solve X, Y, and yeah. Z. Who can help me solve how to process anger, conflict? Who can help me solve this whole concept of creating a story? Who can create the story? I, I heard this um, beautiful analogy. I was I was talking to a, another person on a, a podcast. <clears throat> two or three weeks ago, and he was talking about this concept of billboards. And he was saying how many people, himself included once upon a time, were driving down the highway or still continue to drive down the highway and look for billboards that will give them the exact destination of where they need to be in life instead of looking within. And that, trust me, I found myself doing that many, many years where I wanted someone to come to me and say, hey, this is your destiny. This is the destination. This is where you got to go. And then I started to realize that really that day probably will never come. 
And if someone does come to me and say, hey, this is where you want to go, it will most likely not be in alignment because at the end of the day, what I've realized and learned about my own self, talking about sharing lessons learned from your story, is that I'm the only one that truly knows me to the core. Because there are things that I'll share with the outside world, but then at the same time, there are things that we don't choose to share. And that, that's another, another topic or a segue that I wanted us to explore is how do you personally choose what you choose to share with the outside world and what do you choose to keep within? So I think most of, great question, most of us choose to share what aligns with our ego, with the story we have of what we want to present. So being vulnerable, being honest, showing weakness, you know, we won't share those if it doesn't align or kind of align with the narrative we want people to think. And I think the reason so many writers and people who are vulnerable in an authentic way, I mean, the folks who cry at an instant or wear their heart on the sleeve, that's almost their identity. Uh-oh, here he goes crying again, right? You, it's not authentic. You don't believe it. It's, it's almost... You have people whose identity is to be strong, and then you have people whose ego and identity is to cry all the time and and be emotional or be a diva. It doesn't mean that crying means authentic and not crying. Stoic is is not right. It's it's not that. It's it comes from from within. But the people who are the most authentic and vulnerable, which doesn't mean you need to cry, which doesn't mean you need to talk about weaknesses, but just being that authentic and vulnerable which is hard to define, but you know it when you see it, you know it when you hear it. Those are the things that you share that your ego, your identity is like, no, 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 don't say that. That doesn't go with the story we have. It's like your PR branding person. No, 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 don't say that. And that's when a video goes viral. That's when a book goes crazy. That's when people go, oh, that's when a movie takes off. You know, that's when a comedian has a great set. That's when a podcast episode really gets, is when, is when people really open up and in some ways run counter to the expectation of their narrative in a sincere, authentic way, or the expectation of what society expects of that. And so for me, when, when you do that, and it doesn't necessarily always need to be run counter or be contrarian, but oftentimes it is. So I think that's the thing. Those are the things we don't share because we need to keep that story going. Mm -hmm. But ironically, when we do share them, when I talk about my home being broken into when I was younger and how that impacted me, those are the things when you just really open up and people connect with you. They don't want to see your Maybe they do want to see your stoic story, but it's almost as if, you know, that's the hero. That's the, that's the perfect quarterback, high school quarterback guy. And it's a great story and we all look up to it, but at the same time, it's hard to relate to. I find it also interesting going back to Jessica's comment here, or one of the comments is that she said, I used to be afraid to really, really share anything. Now I'm an open book. One could say that I'm all an all or nothing person and then her comment afterwards where she said, I'm an extremely emotional person. I worry a lot that I worry a lot that people think it's not authentic. I also found it interesting that and I don't know if this is necessarily gender specific for all, but it seems to be a pattern that I've observed, and that is when it comes to crying, I can maybe pinpoint a handful of guys that I've come across that actually were willing to do that. And I think a lot of it has to do with how many of us have been brought up. Mm -hmm. You you are the, you, you have to kind of protect the house. Crying is a sign of weakness. And I know for me, and I've shared this with you and Scott and many others before, like I intentionally try to do it once a month. Yeah, <laughs> I literally have a reminder set in my phone with the soundtrack and everything that I just click and sit there for however long. 20, That's 30 great. times an I hour love because it. I realized that after a while, I, I literally forgot. I yeah. forgot how to do it. Unless it's very, I guess you could say extreme circumstances like the passing of someone or or some sort of loss. I, I literally forgot how to do it. 
in situations so, like this, like a normal conversation. We're not talking about funerals or passing of anyone or anything like that. But I just, I found that to be fascinating how it's, it's like the same thing. If it's one of those, if you don't practice it, it in a way you do lose it. You do. And oh, like, I think you're a, a soul from another dimension that's come here to help people. I mean, that's a case in point. You, you remind yourself to cry each month. I mean, it's just beautiful. You're nuts. You're crazy, but you're in a good way, right? Uh, in a great way. I'm going to do the same. Um, and Jessica writes, I saw, you know, I, I cry a lot. I worry a lot that people think it's not authentic. I, I think the people that are like-minded with you, and I know you, Jessica, um, do I wouldn't worry about them. The people that it's almost haters going to hate the people that don't think it's authentic. Fine. <laughs> I mean, the ones that you care about do also that's you, Jessica, uh, in my opinion, projecting onto those people who knows, maybe they do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't, don't use your energy there. I, I think so that that's the first part. Not that just asked for my advice, but that's what I would, I would add. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I cry often. Uh, it's in private. And uh, my daughter said to me just recently, I was talking about Field of Dreams, that baseball movie from the 80s. And I just with the family, I was like, yeah, man, that that's one of the movies that makes me cry. And my daughter said, well, I definitely she's a baseball fan, too. But she said, I definitely want to watch it with you because I've never seen you cry. Mm. I was like, Oh, wow. And I. Now I have to cry, even if yeah, I, I will. Pressure is on. <laughs> You've um, set the bar high on that one. <laughs> I really have. And even when I'm by myself, I, when I cry, I think I have a trigger physiologically that I end up stopping a bit, almost like, okay, even though you're by yourself, you need to enough here. But when you think about what causes crying, you know, that is something invisible. It's a thought which triggers a feeling, which in some way then triggers activates our body to release saline is it from tear ducts i believe in our, so mm -hmm. in our cranium right mm -hmm. like how does that happen and so crying is this physical manifestation of something invisible and it could be finding peace mm -hmm. finding a connection it doesn't need to be anxiety it doesn't need to be um a bad memory it could be um finding a certain level of peace. It could be, maybe it's not peace yet, but it could be enlightenment. Mm -hmm. You know, where, even if you're upset with something, that means you're facing it and you're not suppressing it. It's a memory. It's a pain. It could be healing. Mm -hmm. It could be finding a pain deep inside of you and saying, oh, wow. And, 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 and then the tears are just this manifestation of, of this enlightenment. It's, it's being awoke in play well i also think about it as if it's recharging your battery and and that's personally why i started oh, yeah. to do it because i what i've realized and I, what i've noticed as well is that after i would do it i literally feel at peace as if everything there's a huge weight that gets lifted from my chest my shoulders wherever you want to look at it but i realized that it 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 was like recharging my battery it was starting from zero and trying to go up to a hundred or whatever way or from a hundred to zero. And, and that was a, it was a big realization that I found within my own journey. But once again, going back to what I had to break and that it was a lot of societal expectations. And yeah. in particular, the biggest one was males don't cry yeah, and, and don't cry for X, Y, and Z reasons. And then that just started to question who's, who's saying all of that. Yeah. Certainly not me. Because inside of me, I want to do something that is complete opposite of that. Yeah. Going back to Melody's point here, re release is a recharge. So it it's a great comment. And to go back to Nirvana, Alan Watts talks about that. Nirvana mm -hmm. in Sanskrit literally means blowout. And there's debate on what that means. Does it mean, you know, kind of blow something up? But he interprets it as breathing out, as blowing out. And the idea here is if you hold on to something, if you hold on to your breath, well, we know what's going to happen. You're going to asphyxiate and die. And so the idea of letting go, letting be, letting your breath out is actually how you attain 
nirvana. It's actually how you, which, and how do we classify nirvana? There's a ton of different definitions, but peace, alignment, um, paradise, kingdom of heaven, mm -hmm. who we really are, uh, non-societal expectations, freedom. You fill in the blank how you define nirvana. Mm -hmm. And so ironically, we have to blow out. Like Melody says, we need to release and release as a recharge. It recharges our fill in the blank piece. Mm -hmm. However, however we define it. So mm -hmm. how do you understand that concept to begin with? Letting go? What does that Letting mean go is very hard for me. David R. Hawkins mm -hmm. has a book called Letting Go, and I, I intellectually get it. I know it. It's hard for me to viscerally feel it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm getting there. One thing that helped me ultimately to get to a point of letting go is letting it be. So you let a certain thing just be. If you are so caught up in something, your giants need to win. This deal needs to happen. Um, you need your post to go viral. You You need... You fill in the blank what's really burning a, a hole in you right now. You can let it go, but that's hard to do. So what's a little bit easier is to just let it be, okay, I'm really attached to such and such happening, to the people buying this from me or to getting this job or to getting a promotion or whatever the case may be. And I'm just going to let it be. And... I'm just going to see it. And what that requires is taking a bit of a step back, realizing you're not your thoughts, your feelings. You're the observer of your thoughts, as Michael Singer talks about. Mm -hmm. And just kind of observing that fill in the blank, that passion, that jealousy, that ambition, that intention, and just really, okay, I see it there. I see you. I see you. Um, it's It's not the best to be attached or myopic or so focused on this goal. I'm missing out on other things in life. I'm not appreciating sunsets, but I see you. So letting it be in some ways for me is sort of a way station ultimately to getting to letting it go. Is it the same as it is what it is or are those two different? It is what it is and let it be. I say it is what it is when I don't know what to say. I need to think quickly or I want to confuse someone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you really know what all three in this sentence, <laughs> right? Right. It's great with my kids. And then I walk out the room, kind of a mic drop and they're like, wait a minute, what? So, uh, and I think older, like I'm 47. I know like older generation of, you know, 58 year olds, my dad in the seventies, they say that a lot, mm -hmm. you know, well, it is what it is, you know? And it's kind of like, right. But what is I it? I never that fully is? understood that. I'm like, why? I <laughs> yeah. I don't, know what that really means it's a little cyclical um so i don't i don't think it's that i think it's more of it is so how about this it is what it is right now mm -hmm. just just observe it just look at it um just look at it okay and then usually what happens when you look at something a fear i won't make enough money like leaving the law. I won't make enough money. What will people think about me? I'm going to lose my stature. There's so many fears lawyers have in career transition. And so when you stare at them, one fear that came up from a recent lawyers looking to make career transition is I don't want to get a commission-based job because commission is can fluctuate and I won't be able to pay mm. my bills. Mm -hmm. Okay. I get it. I love the honesty, vulnerability. Stare at that fear. And you know what? Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't get a commission-based job. My buddy, Zach, always says, there's a funny joke, which a guy goes to a doctor and says, doc, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, don't do it. <laughs> right? No, not the best medical advice there, but I think it does extrapolate to things like this. Okay, don't get a commission-based job. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of other jobs out there. There are 9 million open jobs in America right now, 7 million unemployed people. I mean, there's a ton of jobs. Mm -hmm. So the, the bigger message there is when we stare at a fear, even give it a name, right? Call it a, a 
a Casey commission job. Hey, mm-hmm. Casey commission job. I see you. Like, how can you not laugh when you're giving a fear a name? You're personifying it, right? So when you personify a fear or you look at an issue, you immediately giggle and you and you pull the energy out of that issue, of that fear. And you just, okay. This is just my thought. It's, it's just like, it's I'm Jessica, I'm putting you on the spot, but it's like her fear, her mm-hmm. issue that people may not think she's authentic. So, you know, that's, that's, that's Annie authentic. Hey, Annie authentic or, or, or Nelly non-authentic. I see you there fear. I see you Nelly. No, no, no. I'm not going to let you scare me. I'm going to keep crying. I don't care if people think it's inauthentic. I know it is. And you're not going to scare me anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I've heard a couple of people do that. Actually, uh, Laura Staley is one of the people that comes to mind where she will name fears, anxiety, depression, all these other things. I think Clichelle may or may not do similar stuff. I personally don't do it. I don't I kind of just name it for what it is. But I find it interesting how people have found different ways to deal with many of these subjects that if we're being honest, we all experience just on different oh. levels. Oh. Your level of anxiety might be different from mine, but it's still anxiety to a degree. Yeah. Your level of depression is different from, from mine, but it's still depression, whether or not we'll look at it that way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious as we kind of wrap up today's conversation, when it comes to your work at Leave Law Behind, what have you learned about yourself through this particular career project, whatever you want to call it? That I can do it. Mm. That I can help people make a, make a career transition. Did you not think you could once upon a time? I wasn't sure that this worked. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for 10 years, but even when we built, we built an online course in 2016, 17, and there's over 250 members in it now. And there are still even moments of, will this work? Does yeah. this work? Um, and you know, I get emails every week. Hey, Casey, I left the law. Um, a woman just moved to be people operations manager of a startup. Another woman moved to become an account manager at, at a legal technology company. Um, people are going into recruiting. They're going out, they're going everywhere. And so, um, that's just the self-doubt. I think my identity as a person, uh, for a long time was probably, I don't know, it wasn't it wasn't innovator. It wasn't, it was doing the right thing. It was being an employee. It was, I don't even know. Right. So for some reason, branching off, creating this harebrained idea, building this with the help of my business partner, Adam, who's been a great, mm-hmm. great guide and mentor with me and partner. Um, he's really pushed me. I mean, he's pushed me a ton. You know, that was not my identity. That wasn't my story. And so who am I to create something that will really help people mm-hmm. at scale? Um, so I think what I've learned is this really works. And I, to go to your point that we started earlier, you know, the lessons I've learned that I'm sharing now um, are helpful. Mm-hmm. I don't remember you telling me this or if you have told me this, but when you left the law, did you transition straight into this or did you do something else before you started leave law behind. No, so I left the law in 2004. I had the job mm-hmm. all lawyers wanted. I won't bore with my life details, but I left then and I was in-house counsel at a tech company in San Francisco. And I didn't start, I did, I, I did a talk in 2009, five years later. I didn't start blogging until end of 2009, 2010. And I didn't have my first client until 2010. I didn't build a course till 2016. So it's it's been a long, a lot of writing, a lot of thinking, a lot of other things, a lot of, um, and not that things need to take this long, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, you know, it's taken the time it needs to take, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't jump in. I did, I did management consulting. I did a, a number of other careers, built another company at the time, but it, it sort of has, has, it, I didn't jump right into this now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge lesson. And obviously everyone's circumstances are going to be different. For some people, they may need an immediate form of income to provide for a family, house, whatever it is. But I found it interesting how throughout even my own journey, the more that I chose to just sit with it, not literally sit on the couch and not do anything, but more so sit with the thoughts and the transition, so to speak, the more answers that begin to reveal themselves. 
yeah. the more I started to think that, oh, okay, here are some possible avenues that I could go on. And I know that whether it's people tuning in now or, or people who might listen to this later, something that I've learned throughout my own journey is transition could be a very beautiful place because at least for me, it has been. It's really shown me other possibilities. Sounds like for you too as well, because it showed you that yes, you can. Per, yes, you can do this as a service. Mm-hmm. And I know that that was a big barrier that I had to work through on my own, even this form of podcasting. Telling myself that this could be a service. Yeah, it it doesn't have to be more complicated than what you think it is. Oftentimes, That's right. That's Same right. thing with speaking. You know, just all these different projects, and I and I realized it's like, well, other people are doing it. Why can't you? The work that you need to put into it is. People are averse to hard work. I have an inspiration, but ugh, now I need to work on it. I need to work mm-hmm. on it. I'm tired. I don't want to work at night. But you know, the work is just a, a way to channel. The mm-hmm. lesson that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so write a blog post, write a guest post, post it somewhere else, and have a link to your website. I mean, a website literally is just, it's just the manifestation of of yourself. It's just a, mm-hmm. another way to to show yourself. And so, when people have an idea, they have a lesson, they want to get out there with something. One, if other people are doing it, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. That's okay. You've got, you can build your own tribe. You have your own personality. There's so many people out there that you can help. And two, I wouldn't be averse to the work. I'm sure it takes some time. You may be tired, but one, you'll enjoy it, hopefully. Um, And two, the work is really just the way to channel these thoughts and emotions and feelings and ideas from your mind um, into something that, to translate them into something that other people can interpret. You know, one of the reasons why there are so many smart, genius people. The reasons we celebrate people who write books, who do videos, who make movies is because they go the next step and share it Mm. and tell it and express it. You know, when you think about people who have these great ideas or even those who do hallucinogenics and you go do mushrooms and you're like, oh my God, I got this great idea and I just, I've seen everything. Okay, write it down, Mm -hmm. flesh it out spend some time on it because those rainbows and dragons and just that, that portal that you saw on the sky, mm-hmm. um, no personal experience here as I heard from friends, you <laughs> write it down, disclaimer, exp- express it, express it. And, and, and write a first draft and a second draft and a third draft and a fourth draft. And that could become a phenomenal story. It could become a phenomenal lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't need to be hallucinogenics. It could be that thing where you just things click for you as you're sitting at the beach or or where you're just anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and those things come in so many different shapes and sizes. And I think even a, for me, walking a dog, it, it it is one of those experiences. Yeah, where I'm able to find the different lessons and takeaways. But I I just I want to say thank you to you, Casey. I want to say thank you to Jessica, to Melody, to Alex for tuning in and, and sharing the different things that you have. And, and, and if this is your first time tuning in, I just want to applaud you for taking that step and, and being a part of this community and everything that we're doing. So with that said, I just want to thank everyone that's tuned in. And I want to thank you, Casey, for, for being a part of this. Oh man, thanks for having this. This is, this is great. Thanks for inviting me on to, to talk and, and, uh, and, and blab about this. Um, it, it's very, this is like therapy session for me. It's very helpful. So thank of you. Of course. Of course. And to everyone that's watching right now, we will see you next Friday at 1045 AM central time. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.
Thank you.